Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 21st of May 2023, 9.30 service. Stephen Kurtz speaking on the ascension of Jesus. Well, you know, it must be really terrible to be the one who always comes in second place or who is even forgotten altogether. Now, it's a bit controversial to mention Prince Harry, so I won't. So think back to the 1980s, if you remember that time, and think back to the pop group Wham. Think back to Wham in the 1980s, and you think of this person, don't you? You think of George Michael. He is the one that instantly comes to mind, rather than the less remembered Andrew Ridgely. Or, if you need to go further back, Think back to the moon landing in 1969, the year that I was born. Most people will think of the first person to walk upon the moon, Neil Armstrong, with only a few people remembering the second person to walk on the moon, Buzz Aldrin. Going back a bit further, if you're a little bit older, think of the Bronte sisters if you were around in the Victorian times. And think of the Bronte sisters and we think of Emily and Charlotte most obviously, don't we? rather than remembering necessarily their sister Anne, who was also a novelist. They had a brother, Bramwell, as well. And when you think of England's triumph in the World Cup in 1966, most people will remember this guy, hat-trick hero Jeff Hurst, with rather less people remembering the other goal scorer, Martin Peters. Why do I start this way? Because it's rather similar with the Christian year. From the perspective of the general public, it's Christmas, which is definitely the most important, isn't it? The most important festival in the Christian year. Even the most secular people know that, at least in its origin, Christmas is about God coming to earth in the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, most Christians know that the importance of Christmas usually goes alongside perhaps a good case existing for seeing Good Friday and Easter as most important of all. Because Good Friday and Easter Day mark the death and resurrection of Jesus, don't they? Sin and evil and death being defeated. So quite a number of Christians might say, well, there's a, there's a good case for Easter being the most important of all, even though Christmas is really important. Now, of lesser importance, but still on the map, certainly for a lot of Christians, is Pentecost. Pentecost, as Tim said, coming up next Sunday when we mark the coming of the Holy Spirit so that God's presence could live amongst his people. But what about Ascension Day? The day that occurred on the Thursday of this last week, the day that marks Jesus 40 days after his resurrection, ascending into heaven. In terms of Christian events, in terms of the Christian year, it's very much the poor relation, isn't it? It's the also-ran. It's the Andrew Ridgely, really, of Christian festivals. Now, part of the reason for this is its timing. Ascension Day is never on a Sunday. It's always on a Thursday, and that's because it's 40 days after Easter Day, which is always on a Sunday. Now, in the past, Ascension Day sometimes meant a half-day holiday for school children, but not anymore. Some churches hold Ascension Day services on that Thursday evening, but it's pretty difficult to get anyone to go, which is why we tend to now mark it on either the Sunday before or the Sunday after, which we're doing today. But rather than the timing, rather than because it's on a Thursday, 
There's another more important reason why Ascension Day tends to go by unnoticed, and it's this. Most people, including most Christians, simply don't get why the Ascension of Jesus is such a big deal. Christmas, Good Friday, Easter Day and Pentecost, they're all relatively easy to understand. But why is it important that Jesus ascended into heaven? Isn't it just repeating what was important about the resurrection? Or is it just a negative that's needed for the positive of Pentecost to occur? In other words, Jesus needs to be absent in order for the Holy Spirit to come. Is it just a sort of necessary negative for a wonderful positive to happen? Well, no, none of those are good answers. The reason why the ascension of Jesus is important, in fact vital, to the Christian faith is because it's the moment when his sovereign rule over this earth was established. It was the moment when Jesus was enthroned as Lord of this world. But how can that be so when the ascension appears to be about the risen Jesus leaving the earth and entering into heaven? Doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? Well, our way into understanding this starts by appreciating a bit more of the way that the Bible presents the nature and the relationship between heaven and earth. You see, if you ask most people today, Christian or non-Christian, what Christians are meant to believe about heaven and earth, you'll tend to get an answer suggesting they're different places far away from one another. But that's not really how the Bible depicts heaven and earth. The Bible tends to present heaven and earth as more two interlocking dimensions. Two interlocking dimensions of present reality. Earth is that dimension that we see and we experience most obviously with our five senses. Heaven is the Bible's way of describing that spiritual dimension which interlocks with the one that we experience more obviously but which is normally unseen. The spiritual powers that surround us the whole time and certainly influence what is going on, but are normally, as I say, largely unseen. Heaven, in the Bible, in other words, is really the control centre for earth. When we understand that, that makes quite a big difference to the ascension. Because when Jesus ascends into heaven and is enthroned as king there, it means that he's simultaneously becoming the one who rules on earth. The ascension is about the one who reigns in heaven, therefore ruling on earth. Now that may be understandable in intellectual terms, but it throws up another problem, doesn't it? When we look at this earth, and when we look at all the dreadful things happening within it, Jesus can truly look the last person who is ruling over it, can't he? Or if Jesus is ruling over this earth, it can look as though he's doing an incredibly poor job. Surely it's more accurate and more compelling to see evil as presently in charge, with Christianity representing the hope that that will one day no longer be the case. It will be sorted out one day. Now that perspective is completely understandable. Particularly given the hardship, the suffering, the disappointment, all the things in this world that mean it's not as it should be. 
And perhaps within the lives of some of you here, perhaps there are things that you have had to endure or you're enduring at the moment that really can stretch your faith to breaking point. And surely it's enough to show that all this stuff about Jesus already reigning over this world is naive rubbish. All the tough things happening in our lives and within this world, surely it's evidence that while Jesus might one day rule and we can look forward to that day over this world, that certainly isn't the case in any meaningful sense in the present. That is an understandable perspective. But actually, what changes our understanding is when we take on board the vital background to the ascension. And for that, we need to go back to a very strange book in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Daniel's the book that's most famous for Daniel in the lion's den, and that's a fairly sort of simple and uh, easy to understand story. But there's a lot of other stuff in Daniel that is a lot more complex. And Daniel is a book which wrestles with the question of the seeming dominance of evil within this world. And it uses this really strange and bizarre imagery in order to really unmask it. It's talking about all the powers and the empires and the kingdoms in this world which would present themselves as very glossy and impressive. And instead, it presents them as inhuman beasts. It's uh, determined the book of Daniel to unmask what these powers are like in reality. And it's very honest, the book of Daniel, about the suffering that comes upon those who stay faithful to God in the midst of all this. So it presents all of these powers as horrible, inhuman, subhuman, grotesque beasts to show what they're really like, these oppressive kingdoms. And it talks very honestly about the suffering of God's faithful people in the midst of this. But that's the preparation for the most important chapter in the book of Daniel. The most important chapter in the book of Daniel is not chapter 6, where Daniel's in the lion's den. It's the following chapter, chapter 7, where there is a vision that the prophet has of these beasts being destroyed, and then one like a son of man, it says, coming with the clouds of heaven. One comes like a son of man, in other words, representing genuine humanity, as it's meant to be, unlike those beasts, and he approaches the Ancient of Days, in other words, God, and he receives, and this is the crucial bit, authority, glory, and sovereign power. And so what this passage is saying is that it's through the suffering of God's anointed leader and the suffering of his followers that this rule over the world is established. And that's why when we go back to the account of the Ascension in Acts chapter 1, we see that it does reference Jesus' suffering at the start of this passage. After his suffering, he presented himself to them. It's uh, the preamble to the Ascension. And then when it gets on to talk about the Ascension of Jesus, it goes back to Daniel 7 and uses that very same imagery of the clouds to speak about Jesus' ascension into heaven. Whenever the New Testament uses a phrase from the Old Testament, we're meant to go back and understand that whole passage that's being evoked. Because basically, this account of the ascension in Acts chapter 1 is making the point, using the book of Daniel as its background, that enduring that evil and that suffering formed the path 
to Jesus defeating it through his death and then being enthroned as king over the world. And as the book of Acts, as the Acts of the Apostles continues, we see a continued emphasis upon the kingdom or the rule of God over the world continuing to spread, not least through the suffering of Jesus' followers. As they step into that pattern of suffering obedience demonstrated by Jesus, God's kingdom continues to grow. The ascension of Jesus, in other words, proclaims that Jesus is ruling over this world and continuing to deal with its evil, largely through Christians being prepared to suffer through seeking to respond to that evil with love. So why is the ascension important? Why do we still mark it? Why do we need to have a bit of a handle on what it means? Well, the reason I suggest is because if we really get the ascension of Jesus and its importance, then it will give us so much greater confidence to get on with the job that we're called to as Christians. It will give us so much more confidence if we really believe in what the ascension means to get on with the job of being part of the extension of the rule of Jesus, the kingship of God over this world, chiefly through acts of love and care for others, particularly those who are poor. You see, if we believe that evil is in charge of this world, we simply won't be able to keep up the motivation to do anything really about that. Particularly in those times when the power of evil seems really, really obvious. If we believe, well, evil's in charge, there's, there's very little that we can do. But if we really believe that Jesus has become sovereign over this world through his ascension and actually through his suffering obedience to God, that's a crucial part of it, precisely by being willing to suffer and show that level of obedience and love towards God that results in his ascension happening. If we really believe that the one who reigns in heaven therefore rules on earth, and if we believe, as I say, that the path to that sovereignty is through his suffering, not in spite of it, through his suffering and through that of his followers, then we will be able to keep going. We'll know that when the kickbacks come from the powers of evil, we'll know that that doesn't indicate that evil's in charge. We'll know that it shows that it's actually being defeated. It's a defeated enemy. When we try and show love and care, for, particularly for those on the margins of society, when we try to show moral courage in a situation where we're under pressure to cave, when we do anything can face a tough time for doing it, because we're doing it as a follower of Jesus, actually, we need to know at those points that the ascended Jesus is sovereign over this world. And the way that his kingdom continues to come is precisely through the suffering obedience of his followers. And that when the powers of evil kick back, that is a sign that they're defeated rather than a sign that they're in charge. Now, that's hard for us to get our head around, but this is one of the best examples of where theology makes a real difference to our lives. We can think of biblical theology perhaps as a little bit abstract and a bit impractical. It is deeply, deeply practical. 
Because if we really believe that Jesus is in charge of this world, that he is the ascended king and lord over this world, then it makes all the difference. All of us find responding to evil with love difficult and challenging, don't we? We find it difficult in the workplace. Sometimes we find it difficult in our own families. We find it difficult if we're being oppressed by difficult neighbours or people in other settings, making our lives a bit of a misery. It's the same in terms of the mission of the church. When the church gets stuck in, gets its hands dirty, when it gets involved in mission on a really practical level, there are numerous setbacks and difficulties that all have the potential to really drag us down. But the ascension of Jesus, what's depicted in that picture there, is there to reassure us and to show us that it's vital to keep going. However bad things may sometimes look, the ascension proclaims, the right person is in charge of this world. And he is dealing with the bad stuff within it. Through a very strange way, through the suffering, loving, obedience of his followers, which extends that work of Jesus, it doesn't sort of, um, it doesn't add to it so much as apply it, what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And that's why we will see when we act in faith alongside the disappointments of life, we will see amazing examples of the power of love rolling back evil and defeating it. Why is Christian love so powerful? Well, we'll get on next week to thinking about the Holy Spirit that comes to bring God's presence within us. But the truth of Pentecost builds on the truth of the ascension that Jesus is already reigning over this world. And that's why he's able to give us that power to work within our acts of life to make a massive difference. So the ascension of Jesus is a really vital, a really crucial Christian doctrine. We need to remember it. Um, often on the Thursday it can pass without us uh, remembering it, but it is a really important doctrine, the doctrine of the ascension. So basically, we mustn't let it be the Andrew Ridgely or the Buzz Aldrin, the Anne Bronte or the Martin Peters of Christian festivals. Let's say a prayer. Father God, it can be really easy to listen to these things, much more difficult to live by them. And particularly if life is a real struggle at this moment and it looks for all the world that the powers of evil or badness or corruption are in charge, we pray that you would help us to have such confidence in the truth of the ascension, such confidence in the truth that Jesus is already reigning over this world, that we're able to have the confidence to be part of that reign, showing love, showing obedience, showing courage. We pray that you would help us to do this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.